One of the great keys to victory in the Christian life is simple endurance. Now, we read in the text a minute ago, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We've all got to be aware that there is a finish line to this thing. Now, if you, if, if you weren't saved, you'd say, well, yeah, the finish line is, is death. Well, no, um, we leave this life as believers and enter into heaven. So the end of this life is the beginning of what really matters. Don't ever forget, heaven's not just like the, the consolation prize. People call it the, uh, the afterlife. It's not the afterlife. It's the life. This is the pre-life. Because uh, this one we know ends in death. But the, the real life that God has for us, and that, by the way, that he originally intended for us, according to the Bible, is uh, that's the real thing, and it never ends. We disqualified ourselves from that because of our sin, because of our rebellion against our maker, our, our lies, our hatred, everything contrary to the way God intended it. That's what we do. We have a sin nature. We are a fallen race. And uh, that's what brought about the termination of this life. This life wasn't supposed to have an end, but it does because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. We're all going to face death. But God is gracious and merciful. And he said, I don't want you all to die. I want you to enjoy what I intended originally. What in the world? Theo hair. Uh, life everlasting. And no, God didn't intend Theo hair for us. See, that was on my jacket. Uh, he intended everlasting life. And now every one of us has the opportunity to choose that for ourselves. And when you got saved, that's what you were choosing. You were choosing the everlasting life that God has provided through Jesus Christ. The finish line of this life is the beginning of that life. And don't forget, you, there is a finish line, and how you cross that finish line is going to have a lot to do with your quality of life when you begin that eternal life. And so uh, there is a finish line. I, be honest, to be honest with you, have had my eyes on the finish line probably since I was before 10 years old. Now, not as focused as I am now, but I was already thinking about it. I was already thinking, I, I want to cross the finish line. Now, well, let me just say, I'm not talking about staying saved here. I'm talking about staying in the race with God your whole life. I want to say that, and this is by the grace of God, and thank, thank God for uh, the people who have prayed for me my, my whole life. But I've never wanted to live a life apart from God. I've never imagined a secular life. I've never had this image of, well, you know, if I ever get away from God, if I'm not even talking about just out of the ministry. I'm talking about if, if I ever get away from God, you know, maybe I'll move to this place or maybe, maybe I'll do this for a living. Uh, I've never had this, this imagination of what my life will be like if I ever turn away from God. Never had any desire for that whatsoever. In fact, when I was still a teenager, I told the Lord, if I ever get out of your will, just take my life. Now, I've sinned many times, and I have swerved in and out of his will, I'm sure. But I'm, I'm talking about 
praise the Lord, there's never come a time where I just said, I've had enough and I'm walking away from the will of God. Praise the Lord. I've never had any desire. And that's not to my credit. That's to his credit and, and to the people who have, have prayed for me all my life. Uh, last week in the uh, church in Ohio, uh, I, at, at the end of the day, I ran into a guy that uh, is a, a Christian truck driver, an over-the-road truck driver. And uh, so, I, you know, I started my conversation with him about uh, how that's, you know, when I was a small boy, I decided I was going to be a truck driver. Then God called me to preach when I was seven. So for years, I said, when I, from, from seven till 15, I, I was fully intent on being an over-the-road truck driver and being a preacher. I don't know how I was going to pull it off. I guess I was going to haul during the week and preach on Sunday and then hit the road again on Monday. That was my dream. And uh, then I was about 14 or 15 when I finally gave up on the first dream and said, all right, Lord, my whole life is yours. And so I told that. And I told him other things that I, I tell when I meet a Christian truck driver. And this guy, let me tell you how long this guy's been driving. How many of you remember back, I'm guessing 1981, but it was sometime in the, in the early 80s, when a portion of bridge on 95 just like fell out and cars went off the bridge into the river and so forth. And uh, I'm guessing 81. I don't know if you remember what year that was, but that's, that's what it feels like in my brain. And this guy who, who lives in the Midwest, he was hauling up 95 into Boston uh, the day before. And while he was in Boston is when the bridge collapsed, and he had to go back and detours across. 95 was completely closed, and he wasn't saved yet. And he said it really got me to thinking about what if I'd have been uh, going up on that bridge when it collapsed. He said it really had an impact on me thinking about eternity. But so anyway, that's how long he's been driving a truck. So last Sunday night, where we're, uh, the church is over, we're in the lobby talking, and he says, well, and I told him all the things I always tell to, you know, Christian truck driver, my little stories uh, about how you know, I'll be going down the highway and I'll look out the window and there's a beautiful, you know, Kenworth. And I'll just I just imagine for a second what it would be like to to be over behind the wheel over there. And then I told him how it sends chills up my spines whenever I hear uh, the sound of a Jake break, you know, and how many of you know what a Jake break is? Raise your hand. All right. And um, God bless you all. And, and my favorite thing to say, because I always think this is funny, how I'll be driving down the road with my wife and look up into the cab of a truck and see a husband and wife team up there in the truck and I'll say hey that could have been you and uh, she says not a chance and that always that always gets a um, that always gets a laugh out of the truck driver but anyway he's getting ready to go he said well I gotta hit the road at five o'clock tomorrow morning and so he's saying goodbye and and he knew I was joking because I was, I was laughing and smiling I said well don't forget I said when you pull out on the highway tomorrow you're you're living my dream and uh, he, he, he laughed, and he got real serious. He said, well, let me tell you something. He said, a long time ago, he said, God called me to preach. And he said, I never did. He said, so don't you ever forget, you are living my dream. And I said, well, <laughs> that, you know, that sobered me up real quick. But, um, but to be honest with you, as much as I, yes, I did, I dreamed of it big time as a boy, and uh I've never given any serious consideration to doing anything but living for God. And by the way, you can be a truck driver and live for God. He is a truck driver living for God. But I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about I've never envisioned a non-God life for myself. Had no desire for it. I want, I want, to, I want to cross 
the finish line living for God. I don't want to be sidelined. I don't want to be, as Paul said, a castaway. I, I, want, to, I want to live for God. And one of the great keys to crossing that finish line in the will of God is simply endure. Endure. The winner is the guy who kept going after the loser gave up. But I want you to listen to what the victorious Christian has to endure. Let me just read for you a couple of examples. You might want to jot down the the, uh, references and look them up later, but... Uh, I'm going to read them for you so you won't possibly be able to turn to them. 2 Thessalonians 1.4, Paul says, So that we ourselves glory in you and the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure. Christians have to endure persecutions and tribulations. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Persecutions, tribulations, hardness. Just just plain old difficulty. The challenge. It's not easy to endure as a Christian who's living for God. Second Timothy 2.10, Paul testifies, I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. What he's saying there, he's, I endure whatever I have to in order to find the folks that, that are going to get saved and, and, and for them to get the message of salvation. All things. So to Paul, everything was a matter of endurance. So persecutions, tribulations, hardness, all things. And then 2 Timothy 4, 5, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. So add afflictions to the list of the things that we have to endure. Man, there's a lot to endure here. Hebrews 12, 7, endure chastening. James 1, 12, endure temptation. In 1 Peter 2, 19, endure grief. If we simply endure the persecution, the tribulation, the grief, the temptation, when others stop, when others get discouraged, when others fall out of the race, when others quit, you just plow on through and get go, keep going. Listen, endurance will require things of you that you don't even see coming because the, the great temptations, the great tests, the great difficulties, they're not what you imagine them to be. We get a picture, you know, we picture somebody under persecution. And we say, well, man, I'm, I'm tough enough. I can endure physical persecution. Well, let me tell you, if you are physical and uh, uh, tough enough to endure physical persecution, and you may be, then let me tell you, that's probably not what you're going to be truly tested on. You're going to be tested on things that maybe you're not so tough at. The things where you're really going to have to find grace to endure are going to be the things you're not good at. The emotional battles, the discouragement, the ups and downs of the Christian life, the low spots. There's a lot of low spots in this this thing of the Christian life. Times where you feel like, man, I I just don't know if I can keep going. That's when you're going to have to figure out how to endure. So, endurance is a key 
to Christian victory. So let me ask you, if endurance is the key to victory, what is the key to endurance? And that's what I want to show you tonight. And uh, the, the key to endurance is in what you see. What are you seeing? What are you seeing tonight? And more importantly, what are you seeing when you come to those times when you don't know how to endure? When, when one person sees difficulty and despair, the person who endures has to see something better, something different, something that is worth achieving. So, uh, look, turn if you will. I'm going to show you four passages in Hebrews. Turn first to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. The person who endures sees something that others don't see. Hebrews chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse number 32. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 32. It says, but call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated. What does it mean to be illuminated? It means to have your eyes opened. It means to have the light turned on. In which after ye were illuminated, ye endured. A great fight of afflictions. After ye were illuminated, you endured after you were able to see things that you couldn't see before. Suddenly you had the ability to endure. I heard somebody say, I think it was, I, I referenced it this morning, and, and I think it was the same. Uh, I, I've been getting um, uh, Ken Ham, that's uh, uh, Kevin Hollick's hero in the flesh. Uh, uh, and I've been, but, but I didn't, I, Kevin didn't tell me about this. I just was searching for good uh, Christian podcasts. I like them short because if they're too long, then they pile up on me. Ken Ham has a one minute per day podcast. It also goes on the radio. Radio, I've heard it on radio stations, Christian radio stations around America. And so I signed up for So the other day I was like 20 episodes behind, but that's okay because they're only one minute. So that's 20 minutes to get caught up. And so I played it and... Um, I believe it was Ken Ham, I'm pretty sure it was, who was talking about how they've, they have the importance of being able to see the, the lights, being able to see the sun, being able to see the moon and see the stars. And talking about they, they have done uh, tests with people that where if they, if they can't see anything, they just walk in circles. But those same people, if they can see the stars, they will walk straight just because they can see something. When you can see something, and especially if you see the right thing, that's going to determine whether or not you endure. Now, let me back up and and take what I've said so far and ask yourself again. Is it really important to you that you cross the finish line? And not just cross the finish line, but cross the finish line victorious does it really matter to you do you want to really look your creator in the face do you really want to look your redeemer in the face knowing that you got discouraged and gave up that you gave up on God that you decided just to go the way of all flesh and just sort of 
live your life out and, and uh, try to have fun and try to fit in and try to make money? Or do you want to look Christ in the eye knowing, I, I, hey, I have plenty of failures, I have plenty of weaknesses, but I cross the finish line with my eyes on the Savior. I do. I do. And if you love the Lord, I think you do too. After you were illuminated, ye endured. All right, so let's look, and, and they're all from Hebrews. Hebrews gives us three examples of people who endured because of what they saw. So the person who endures is seeing something that the, I don't mean to categorize anybody, but that the quitter doesn't see. The guy that keeps going, the guy that endures, he sees something that the guy who gives up doesn't see. Let's look at the first one during the Hebrews 6. Hebrews chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. Endurance is one of the great keys to victory in the Christian life. Okay, so what is the key to endurance? The key to endurance is in what you see, what you're focused on. And that's why this goes a little bit hand-in-hand hand with the message this morning. If you let yourself get wrapped up in the ways of this world, the ways of this life, and see the same things that they're seeing, you're going to go the same direction that they're going. Hey, if you want your marriage to be different, you've got to see something different than the mainstream of this world sees. If you want to raise your kids different, first of all, you've got to see something different and you've got to cause your kids to see something different than the mainstream of this world sees. You can't just stick your children in front of a screen and have them sit there six hours a day because they're, they're going to see the same thing that the, that the kid who, who uh, shoots heroin is, is, winds up, is seeing. You're watching six hours of TV a day cause you to shoot heroin? No. I'm saying the, the, I'm saying the people who just do the same old thing wind up with the same old result. That's what I'm saying. And if you always do what, what, what everyone else does, you're going to get what everyone else gets. You're in Hebrews 6. They're talking about Abraham. For when God made promise to Abraham... Because he could swear by no greater, he swear uh, by himself, saying, Surely I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he, Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Now, we've been looking at this on Wednesday night in Romans, and it says the very same thing. Abraham kept his eyes on the promise of God. And so, first thing. The key to endurance is what you see. Abraham endured because he kept his eyes on God's promise. You are not going to, and, and hey, this, this is God's set of promises to us right here. You are not going to endure if God's promises are not in your heart. I believe the first promise after salvation that I embraced as a, as a boy was Matthew six thirty three. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What's all these things? The, the necessities of life. Seek the kingdom of God first and his righteousness, and God will make sure that your needs are met. 
All kinds of promises the Lord has put in my heart since then. I love Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Let me ask you tonight, what are the promises that you're focused on? What are the promises in your heart that you can see so that when things in front of you get difficult, when things in front of you get challenging, you say, I'm going to endure because there's a promise over there and I'm going to get to the fulfillment of that promise. It uses Abraham as an example. Abraham. Most of what got in Abraham's way was not an obstacle. Most of what got in Abraham's way was lack of progress. Lack of progress. Do you ever feel like, and I'm sort of borrowing this from a preacher that I heard preach the other day, but it's a great point. You ever feel like you're following God's lead and it's taking you in circles? And man, I'm following the Lord and, and I'm just seem to be going in circles. Well, can I tell you about a group of people that followed the Lord's lead and it led them in circles? The children of Israel at the walls of Jericho. He had them going in circles and going in circles and going in circles. And finally, what happened? The wall fell down. Sometimes the will of God does lead you in circles, but God's in charge of those circles. He knows what he's doing. Why did they keep going? And why should you keep going? Why did Abraham keep going? Because we keep our eyes on the promise. The difference between success in, and victory is, to a, a large degree, is a matter of endurance. What's the key to endurance? It's in what you're see, what you're looking at, what you see. Paul said, after you were illuminated, after the light was turned on, after you had your eyes opened, you endured. And he gave us the example of Abraham. Abraham endured because he kept his eyes on the promise. Let's look at somebody else who endured because of what he saw. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Abraham endured because he kept his eyes on the promise. You face discouragement. You face setbacks. You face difficulties and challenges. Will you keep going or will you give up? That will depend on what you're seeing. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. We're going to read down to verses 27. By the way, I want you to see with your own eyes here that these are matters of endurance and that they're based upon what the people who endured, what they saw. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Why? He endured as what? Seeing. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. What causes you to endure? What you see causes you to endure. And what caused Abraham to endure? He, he kept his eyes on the promise. What caused Moses to endure? Moses endured because he kept his eyes on the God he could not see. Now let me put a little bit different twist on, on that idea, that thought. 
Moses was driven by a passion to see God. Moses, and don't forget, he's a man in his 80s. So now my father is in the Moses Club now. My father's going to just get starting, started serving the Lord now as Moses did when he, when he was 80 years old. But Moses, Moses is, is a man in his 80s. He's heard about God his whole life. But at the burning bush, he sees the hand of God at work. And the ten plagues, he sees the hand of God at work. He hears the voice of God. At the burning bush. He hears the voice of God as he's delivering the children of Israel from Egypt. He he sees the works of God as he watches the Red Sea part. And the children of Israel walk through on dry ground. He gets to Sinai. He goes up into Mount Sinai. The very same place. Do you know this? The very same place where the burning bush was. You study the Bible says that clearly. Same place where the burning bush was, at the foot of Mount Sinai. Now God calls him up into Sinai to give him instructions, including the Ten Commandments, but but even much more than just the Ten Commandments. While he's up on that mountain, the children of Israel go into sin down below, build themselves a golden calf and dance and worship it. He comes back down. Many of the children of Israel are judged there because of their rebellion against the Lord. He goes back up into the mountain. And what does he tell God that he wants? I've heard about you. I've heard your voice. I've seen you work. I've gotten close to you. Let me see you. And God said, you can't see my face. No man can see my face and live. But he said, I'll tell you what, you go in that little hollow space in the rock over there. And I'll put my hand over. And then I will turn around, I'll let you see me from the back. He said, that's the best I can do if you want to keep on living and leading. And just seeing the back of Almighty God was enough that when Moses came down from the mountain days later, he had to put a veil over his face because he was glowing. That's not hyperbole. That's not metaphor, folks. That's, That's the glory of God. And I believe that it's possible for Christians to live so much in the presence of God that they glow. Now, I don't, I, I don't necessarily mean in this dispensation that you're going to physically glow so that people have to hide their eyes, but that people will know there's something different about him. There's something different about her. But Moses was driven by his passion for the invisible God. I don't think Moses was driven primarily by his desire to free the people of Israel. Hey, that that desire ran out. He tried it when it was 40. He, he gave up on it. He went out. He lived in the wilderness, and he gave up on that passion. I don't believe he was driven by the passion for the promised land. He had a passion for the promised land, but that was not the great driving force. Hebrews 11 says he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Listen, if you'll have a passion for God, not a passion to do something for God, and I'm not against that, but that's not primary. What's primary is a passion to know God. 
Here's where a lot of Christians miss the mark. Knowing God is an end in itself. It's not a means to an end. It's an end in itself. And it's an end for which every believer ought to be passionate. Listen, Christian, if you'll get passionate about knowing God, you'll endure when others give up. And you say, well, I see, I don't, Pastor, I don't even really know what that means. I was 15 years old when I heard a preacher for the first time. No, I was 16, 16 years old when I heard a preacher for the first time that I remember. I'm sure I heard it before, but you know, there's times when God just opens your eyes, illuminates you and lets you, lets things click for the first time. And I was 16 years old when I heard a preacher preach about knowing God and it clicked with me. And I can remember very vividly, we were in a football stadium at North Texas State University and we were all in the stands and the preachers were down there on a, on a, um, uh, uh, ble- on a uh, platform in the field and he gave the invitation. I didn't even hesitate. I was down there, bang. And I'm on my knees in the grass before the Lord. And I remember very vividly saying, Lord, I don't really understand what this means to know God. How can I know a God I can't see? How can I know a God I can't touch? How do I know a God that I can't hear his voice with my ears? But, Lord, that man says he knows you. And Paul said he knows you. If it's possible to know you, I want to give my life to knowing you. Now, can I tell you that I was 16 years old. I'm 51 now. You do the math because I can't. Uh, What is that, 35 years? 35 years later, I can tell you, I don't know everything it means to know God, but I can tell you, by the grace of God, I know him. Oh, I want to know him a whole lot more. But I can tell you that the last 35 years have been worth it just to be able to know the Lord. Knowing God is an end in itself. And we ought to be passionate about knowing God. Moses was passionate about knowing the God he could not see, as seeing him who has... Are you listening, Christian? Are you listening? You're going to get discouraged. You're going to get tired. You're going to say, what's the point in all those things that we saw in the Bible that you have to endure? Persecutions, tribulations, hardness, afflictions, chastening, temptation, grief. They are going to wear you down. And whether or not you continue is going to depend on what you see. And if you have a passion, if you can see a passion to know God, you will keep going. Hebrews 12. This is the last one. We'll be finished. Hebrews chapter 12. This is where we started. This was the scripture reading a little while ago. Hebrews chapter 12. Man, you know, seven years doesn't sound like a long time when you're talking about a lifetime. But I'll tell you what, the seven years that I drove a school bus seemed like they would never end. Seven years of, you know, every year for some reason we would get the Howells Anderson Tour Group on the same Friday in June. 
And that was always, and see, they didn't call you and say, when, when you're a little church and a new church, and especially they had a whole lot more churches back then that they were dealing with, and, and uh, they, they don't call you and say, when would you like us to come? They call you and say, this is when you're, we're coming. Uh, they would back then and uh, take it or leave it. And it was always a, it was the third Friday of June every year. Well, that coincided with something else every year, and that is the day that we had to uh, clean our buses inside and out, spotlessly clean, and uh, have them inspected by the boss. And the boss thought she wasn't doing her job if she didn't fail you at least one time. And so, and every single year, there I was in a hot summer June day, knowing I've got to, I've got to, uh, you know, get this tour group checked in and buy all the things we put in their rooms and be there on time, greet them. Of course, Amy's uh, running around to trying to do these things, but she's got three small children, and and uh, at times we only had one car. And uh, every single year, there I am scrubbing that bus, saying, "Oh man, the tour group's coming tonight. We got a service tonight at the VFW." That was always fun, by the way, because back then, uh, at that point, they're they're drinking in the next room. They're over there in the bar drinking and partying, the jukebox box playing. And here we've got uh, we've got a, a, a music group. We got a church service we're trying to uh, have go on, and uh, we got a preacher. I remember t- several times at the end of that service, the uh, the somebody would come in from the bar room and say, "Is that guy done yelling yet?" And uh, yeah, he's he's done. Um, oh man, those, those, the seven years of, of, uh, driving a school bus seemed like they would never end. The 10 years in the VFW, especially towards the end, seemed like they were never, they would never end. But I praise the Lord that we endured. Whether or not you succeed is going to depend on whether or not you endure and whether or not you endure is going to depend on what you're seeing. Abraham saw the promises of God. Moses saw the invisible God. He had a passion to know God as if he could see him. Let's look at our ultimate example, Hebrews 12, verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured endured the cross. Now, the cross is ultimate suffering. I don't care what you're going through. It doesn't compare to the cross. Jesus endured the cross, despising the shame. That word despise doesn't mean hate. It means disregard. Jesus was able to disregard the shame and the pain of the cross because of what he saw on the other side of it. Endured the cross despising the shame and is set down on the right hand of the throne of God, Jesus endured because he kept his eyes on the other side of the struggle. We heard a preacher preach last week who talked about being in boot camp and talked about the rigorous, he was, a, was he a Marine? Does that sound right? Uh, the, the rigorous ordeal that they, they put, put him through in boot camp. And he said there were times, and of course now he's in his 60s, he was talking about something that happened over 40 years before. He said there were times where I just thought I was going to drop dead. He said, but you know, you know what kept me going? He said, I wasn't even saved yet, he said, but I knew 
They had to let us go to bed sometime. He said, no matter how hard it is, no matter how bad I hurt, no matter how tired I am and I want to drop, I know somewhere on the other side of this is bedtime. So if I just keep going, I'm going to be able to lay down and sleep. That's a very small illustration of what Hebrews 12, 2 is saying. Jesus saw the enormity of the cross, the greatest suffering anybody would ever face. And he said, on the other side of the cross is reconciling man to my heavenly father. On the other side of the cross is standing before my heavenly father and him being pleased. And so he endured the cross. Jesus endured because he could see what was on the other side. Listen, we've been talking about just general the general Christian life. But let me talk about a specific part of the Christian life, and that is the part of serving the Lord. One of the things that is unique about our church from many other churches is we, in addition to preaching the Bible, believing the Bible, worshiping the Lord, and striving to live the Christian life, we emphasize serving the Lord, and we give you opportunities to serve. And you know good and well that some of the hardest parts of what we do as being a part of our church is the service. You know that one of the most grueling Sundays of four, the most grueling Sundays of our year is the Sunday dinner Sunday. And every time, we've done 30 of them now, and every time it rolls around, the beginning of the weekend I say, and I don't even do the, the most work, but what I do is hard for me. And I go, oh, man, this again. <laughs> but I, I picture the smiles on the faces of those people who come in and get a hot meal. I listen in my mind to the thank yous of the people saying, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having us come. And I picture Sunday night, the contentment of knowing we've done one of the things that the Lord specifically asks us to do, and that is to feed the, feed the poor. And I think about that Sunday night service. When we come, we just collapse, we testify, and we enjoy the victory. Now, you look at any part of serving the Lord and realize that there's a payoff on the other side, and it's the ultimate. It's a spiritual payoff. It's, the payoff is laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, what Jesus told us to do. Jesus endured the cross because he kept his eyes on the victory, the payoff, the result. And if you want to endure, keep your eyes on the victory. Keep your eyes on what God has for you. Keep your eyes on the well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let me wrap it up. One of the great keys to anything in life, but particularly the Christian life, is just plain old endurance. And the key to endurance is in what you're seeing. The Bible says in Hebrews, we read the verse, after you were illuminated, 
ye endured. Abraham endured because he kept his eyes on the promise. Moses endured, the Bible says, because he had a passion to know the invisible God. Jesus endured because he kept his eyes on the other side of the struggle. Tonight, you're going through stuff. Some of you have long-term battles that you're fighting. I'm thinking things that have gone on for years, and as far as you can tell, they're going to go on for a few years more. Some of you are battling things that are going to go on for the rest of your life. Will you endure? Those of you that are just, you know, teenagers and you're just starting out, listen, you're going to have struggles, you're going to have battles, and you're going to watch Christian friends drop out of the race. They're going to watch somebody that's sitting near you this very night, five years from now, is going to be making fun of you for still living for the Lord. Now, it's not our job to figure out who's who. It's every one of us, it's our job to say, I don't know what else anybody else is going to do, but I'm going to endure. How do you endure? By keeping your eyes on the right things and letting God give you the strength to make it through. Father, I pray to